American football. In this episode, we take a look at the history and the popularity of this game in America. I'm Chris Casey, and this is Sea to Shining Sea. Hello and welcome to Sea to Shining Sea. I'm Chris Casey. If you're joining me again, welcome back if this is your first time. Hope you enjoy it and have a good time and uh, check out the other two episodes. This is episode three and we're covering American football. It is Super Bowl week here in the year 2020 as we prepare to watch the Kansas City Chiefs take on the San Francisco 49ers. And I thought, why not? Super Bowl week, uh, talk about American football, both its history, its popularity, and some other fun facts, and even some fun quotes from uh, football greats of days gone by. Um, what makes me want to talk about football? Well, I've never played football, but I have been around the game most of my life. Um, as a child, uh, I grew up rooting for the St. Louis Cardinals, both baseball and Football, yes. Cardinals were once a football team in St. Louis, not just Arizona. Actually, that team came from Chicago originally and was the first team in the NFL, I believe. And we will cover the NFL history here on this episode. Uh, uh, some other things from my childhood is uh, you'll find out through our podcast, I am a huge sports fan and have worked in sports. So that is one of my one of my things, being a sports fan. While football isn't my greatest, most my favorite sport. Um, my favorite sport is baseball. You'll find that out in the spring. But football is a close second. Also in my childhood, I went to uh, college football games, uh, specifically the Iowa Hawkeyes at Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City. Go Hawks! This is amazing and i'm going to speak about it as far as the popularity of football how seventy thousand people could be in a, an arena watching a game and it's just electric something you, you have to be there to to experience and of course growing up in high school who didn't go to their high school football games you know that was kind of a social event and 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 this was way before social media <laughs> a long time ago not quite in a galaxy far far away uh yeah so of course in my adulthood having a chance to get on a microphone yes and be an announcer i was an announcer for both my alma mater burlington community high school go greyhounds and also i had the honor of being the announcer for the west burlington notre dame falcons uh shout out to them as well both in my home state of Iowa. So that was pretty awesome. And then actually broadcasting the West Burlington Notre Dame games as well. So I've been both in my childhood and my adulthood been around the game of football. Always been a fan. And now, now I do not live in Iowa. I live in North Carolina in an NFL town, Charlotte. So I have the Carolina Panthers in my backyard. I'm going to tell you, being a football fan, having an NFL team in my backyard, pretty awesome. I'd also be remiss without mentioning that I've taken my son 
to a NFL game, which is pretty awesome. We happen to know a friend who gave us field passes, and uh, we got to go on the field. Be right up next to the players here in Carolina. Very cool. Uh, get a definitely better view than you can from the nosebleeds. Uh, that was pretty awesome. And I've also taken my daughters to a college football game more than once. Pretty exciting for them as well. It was been a, it's been a cool. I even took my wife when we were dating to a college football game. Uh, it was a night game, so we didn't get home till very late, but uh, but still fun nonetheless. Uh, so yes, my adulthood, I've, I love football, and I, anytime I can be around the game, um, it's pretty awesome. So let's head on in now and take a look at the history of where this game came from. And since it's Super Bowl week, let's all take a, also take a look at the history of the National Football League. Pretty interesting story to go with that. Uh, so here we go. American football was first officiated in the year 1869. At that time, the sports of traditional football, uh, soccer, as it were, and rugby were popular. Both sports originated outside of the United States. Football is said to have records dating back to 2000 BC in ancient China. Although Greece, Rome, and parts of Central America also claim the sport in their countries. However, England is said to have created the rules of play that define modern football today. Rugby got its official start in England, though there are versions of the game played throughout the medieval times in China and Japan. Uh, before American football, college students in the United States played rugby or traditional football on campus. In fact, Princeton, where some of the first American football players come from, started their official rugby league in 1876 under what they called the Rugby Code. The school is considered to have one of the oldest rugby leagues in the country. If you've ever played rugby, yeah, it's kind of like football on steroids without pads. <laughs> I had a chance to play it when I was in the military, and it was not fun. Um, of course, American football as we know it today didn't exist at first. In fact, in the early days of the sport, players were not allowed to pick up the ball or even throw it at all. Uh, rather, players would kick or swipe at the ball with their hands to move it towards the goal. Uh, the sport was known to be fierce, often called mob football, for how violent it could get. Injuries were common on the field, and it would take several years for a new code of contact to be set in motion. After that first American football game in 1869, many other colleges in the Northeast picked up on it as well. In, the, in 1873, the Intercollegiate Football Association, the IFA, was created to bring order to the game. Uh, pretty much a predecessor to now what we know as the NCAA. Uh, but not everyone jumped on board quickly as the new standards in place. Uh, some schools continue to play by their own rules, uh, including Harvard in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Harvard played what they call a Boston game which is performed by a different set of rules. In the early days, teams would pick and choose which aspects of the playstyle they liked, and the rules would be changed frequently. You might ask, who invented American football? Well, American football as we know it began today to form in the mid-1880s with a man coined the father of American football. That man's name is Walter Camp. If you're a football fan, I'm sure you've heard of this name. Uh, he was a Yale undergraduate 
uh, from 1876 to 1881, where he actually played halfback on Yale's gridiron football team. At the same time, the sport was termed gridiron football, and it still has that gridiron name today for its white lines painted down the field and its similarity to both rugby and association football. Walter Camp was also a team captain, what it would be called today as a head coach of Yale's team. He was the guiding force behind the Intercollegiate Football Association, and with its leadership and key changes that were made to the sport, these changes began to mold gridiron football into today's American football sport that so many people love. Uh, under Camp's leadership, the notion of scrummage, which was originally taken from the sport of rugby, Camp also introduced the idea of downs, uh, in which a ball needed to be moved downfield by a certain distance within a particular number of attempts. He also set a number of players on a team to 11. Uh, Camp's rules also set up position of quarterback, the line of scrimmage, the scoring scale that is, yes, still used today. Camp went on to coach the Yale Football League from 1888 to 1892, uh, leading the team to an, to an impressive 67-2 win-loss record during that time. He also worked full-time as an executive at a watch manufacturer as at the same time, but his impact on the sport doesn't end there. The U.S. military, eager to take advantage of the incredible athleticism of Yale's football athletes, reached out to camp to develop an exercise program that servicemen could use. The result was the Daily Dozen, a set of exercises that were done each morning. The Daily Dozen became internationally popular for both men and women in and out of the service. So that's kind of cool that Walter Camp, he created the game we all love today, but also had an impact on the military, which here at Sea to Shining Sea, uh, we appreciate our military immensely. Now, how about that? Let's take a look at the history of the National Football League, who here in 2020 has turned 100 years old. Look back at the National Football League's humble origins in an Ohio auto dealership and its inaugural 1920 season. This really made me scratch my head. It's humble beginnings, who'd have thought? All right, let's get into this. The 14 men huddled inside the Jordan and Hupp Mobile automobile showroom in downtown Canton, Ohio, uh, on the night of September 17, 1920, were finally ready to strike a deal. They had to come to Ralph Hayes' dealership, not in search of a new set of wheels, however, but a new professional football league to save them from themselves. Interesting. By 1920, pro football remained thoroughly overshadowed by the college game and a bastion confined mostly to small Midwestern industrial cities. Even worse for team owners, they were bleeding cash because of the soaring players' salaries and intense bidding wars as they poached players from other squads. The owners of these independent pro teams coveted a strong league such as the one baseball had in order to gain more control over the sport and their finances. Hmm, imagine that. Owners being shifty and trying to gain control. Hey, the owner of the reigning Ohio League champion Canton Bulldogs had invited representatives from three other in-state teams to an organizational meeting at his showroom on August 20th, where they agreed to a broad outline of a new association. According to the Canton Evening Repository, the goal of the new venture would be to raise the standard of professional football in every way possible to eliminate bidding for players between rival clubs, and to also secure cooperation in the formation of schedules. Nearly a month later, a deal was ready to be struck. Hay gathered representatives from 11 
professional football clubs sprinkled across Ohio, Illinois, Indiana, and New York. The Akron Pros, the Canton Bulldogs, the Cleveland Indians, and not the baseball team. <laughs> Dayton Triangles, the Decaler Staley's. Hammond Pros, Massillian Tigers, Muncie Flyers, the Racine slash Chicago Cardinals, Rochester Jeffersons, and the Rock Island Independents. Huh, Rock Island, I'm familiar with that city. I did not know they were part of the original NFL. Wow, interesting. So unfamiliar were the teams that even the meeting minutes mistakenly listed the Cardinals, who played home games in Normal Park in Chicago's Racine Avenue, uh, as being from Wisconsin, city of the same name. Interesting. Unable to squeeze into Hayes' office on a steamy night, the football pioneers, including, yes, Jim Thorpe and George Hallis, two names synonymous with the game of football, sat on running boards in the fenders of $3,000 cars in the showroom and grabbed cold beer bottles from an icy bucket as they hammered out an agreement. They should make this into a movie. This is cool. Uh, according to the meeting minutes typed in the letterhead of the Akron professional football team, the first item of business was inauspicious one. The withdrawal of Massillian before the league even actually formed. Interesting. The men moved and seconded a proposal to form a confederation now known as the American Professional Football Association. The new league needed a president to lead the organization and be its public face. The choice required little debate. The team representative unanimously selected the 32-year-old Thorpe, the Canton Bulldogs star, who although past his prime was still touted by newspapers, such as the Milwaukee Journal, as the world's greatest athlete. Uh, indeed, selection of the Gridiron's greatest gate attraction garnered more ink in newspapers around the country than the formation of the APFA itself. The first game involving the APFA team took place in September 26, 1920 at Douglas Park in Rock Island, Illinois. How interesting. That is cool. Uh, I'm reading this. I did not know that. But the first NFL game took place in Rock Island, Illinois. I'm extremely familiar with that area. Interesting. Who'd have thought? <laughs> As the hometown independents flattened the St. Paul Ideals 48 to nothing. The first head-to-head -head battles in the league occurred one week later as Dayton dropped Columbus and Rock Island pasted Muncie 45 to 0. While the gridiron dimensions were the same in 1920 as today, the pro game itself is quite different. Forward passes were rare. Coaching from the sidelines was prohibited. Interesting. And players competed on both offense and defense. That actually happens in some high schools. Uh, money was so tight that Hallis carried equipment, wrote press releases, sold tickets, taped ankles, played, and coached for the Decatur Club. As opposed to today's standard 16-game schedule, clubs in 1920, they scheduled their own opponents and could play non-league and even college squads that counted towards their records. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. With no established guidelines, the number of games played, the quality of opponents scheduled by APFA teams varied, and the league did not maintain official standings. So they were just kind of running amok. Huh. The Buffalo All-Americans, the Chicago Tigers, Columbus Panhandles, and Detroit Heralds all joined the league before the end of the season, raising the total number of teams to 15. But the inaugural season was a struggle. Games received little attention from the fans and even less from the press. According to Robert W. Peterson, uh, his book Pigskin, The Early Years of Pro Football, APFA Games, uh, average crowds of 4,241. 
That's very odd that it's such an exact number. Uh, the association bylaws called for a team to pay a $100 entry fee, but no one ever did. <laughs> uh, Muncie played only one game before dropping out at the end of the season, which actually concluded on December 19th. At the conclusion of the season, there were no playoffs, let alone a Super Bowl, and it took more than four months before the league even bothered to crown a champion. Much as college football did for decades, the APFA determined its victor by ballot. Interesting. Uh, on April 30th, 1921, team representatives voted the Akron Pros, who completed the season undefeated with eight wins and three ties, yet only yielding only a total of seven points, the champion in spite of protest by a one-loss team in Decatur and Buffalo, who had each had tied Akron and had more wins. The victors received a silver loving cup donated by a sporting goods company, Brunswick, Balk, and Colander. While players were not given diamond-encrusted rings, they didn't receive golden fobs in the shape of a football inscribed with the words world champion. Needing a leader with greater business acumen, team owners replaced Thorpe with the Columbus Panhandle's owner, Joe Carr. And in 1922, the APFA rebranded itself as dun, 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 the National Football League. <laughs> While in the 20s roared, the NFL sputtered. College football remained king, drawing crowds as big. This is in the 1920s, folks. College were still drawing crowds as big as 100,000 people. Uh, while NFL franchises came and went, only after signing college phenom Red Grange in 1925 did pro football begin an increase in popularity. The NFL's first season was so quickly forgotten in the collective sports memory that the league's official record books listed the 1920 championship as undecided until the 1970s. The whereabouts of the Brunswick Bulk Colander Cup, only given out at that time, are unknown. <laughs> Interesting that, that that first championship cup is missing. Uh, the legacy of the two APFA franchises continues on, however. Uh, the Racine Cardinals, which were the Chicago Cardinals, played in St. Louis and now play in Arizona. And the Decatur Staley's moved to Chicago and are now the Chicago Bears. Uh, Ten APFA players along with Carr are enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which opened its doors in 1963, not far from the Canton Automobile dealership that gave birth to the NFL in 1920. So there you have it, the humble beginnings of the NFL. Uh, something that we all watch, especially for football fans, and uh, have watched most of my life. So there is the history of American football. Uh, found it interesting uh, sharing that with you. Let's take a quick break for a public service announcement, and then we'll get into the popularity, and I'll go through some high school numbers that are just amazing. I'll also go through some college numbers, and I'll give you the top 10 reasons why American football is so awesome. If you're listening to this over your Super Bowl weekend, I'm sure you have a party you're going to or hosting a party or sitting down and watching the big game on Super Bowl Sunday. We usually have a spread of food out, some sort of food. You know, it's a, it's a time to eat, drink, have fun, watch the commercials. Uh, it's definitely a, an event that brings the nation together. While you're doing that, please consider donating to your local food bank. While you have plenty of food there to celebrate, some folks who don't are on hard times, rely on these food banks for food until they can get to a better spot. If you don't know your local food banks, 
you can go into feedingamerica.org and uh, you're able to uh, search by zip code or state to see where your local food bank is, where you could donate either your time or money or even dropping off food. It's just something that, like I said, while you're having your spread of food, please remember those who are are starving and possibly need food for a food bank. Uh, Thank you for these couple of minutes for me to uh, bring you this. This is something for folks who have fallen on hard times. Just please support your local food bank and check it out, feedingamerica.org. Thank you. Now let's take a look at this game the American football popularity of American football. Uh, it starts at the level of, I mean, even kids playing uh, Pop Warner when they're real young, even before middle school. Um, but it really starts in high school. And take a look at the numbers of, of last year. Believe it or not, there were over a million kids playing high school football. In 2019 alone, there was over a million kids playing high school football. And believe it or not, 2,400 of them are girls. So that's that's interesting. And, and taking a look at the numbers, uh, that number of girls playing has actually raised every year uh, on over 16,000 high school football teams across the country. So definitely uh, popular in the high school range of things. And then, of course, moving to college, college football is a huge, huge, say business, but it is. Um, it's huge in the United States. There's only 130 college football teams, 16,000 high school teams to 130 college football teams. So going to college football, you're definitely the, the upper level. Those kids who, who outperform in high school to the higher level and they get scholarships. College football level is is great. If you ever go to a college football game, it's I think it's more popular than the NFL at some point. I know to me, I'd rather go to a college football game. You get 70,000 people screaming in the same stadium. Uh, if you go to places like Michigan, 100,000. The Rose Bowl, 100,000. Of course, I've been to Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City several times, and it's just awesome. It, it just It's electric, if they, especially if they're winning. <laughs> but it, taking a look at that college game, of course, it's changed over the years from how the uh, changed on how popular it has become because of social media of the coverage you know before it, it hasn't always been as as ready and there as it is now pretty much watch it anywhere anytime and it's it's 24 7 there's channels you know like the big 10 as the big 10 network so college football is bigger than life bigger than it ever has been which Kind of mirrors its big brother, the NFL. But college football can never decide what they want to do. Now we do the college football playoff. Before it was a BCS. Before it was just voting. So I just take whatever my team, the University of Iowa, whatever they could do. You know, I'm supporting them. And I don't really care about the polls. It just, you know, I want to support them and see how great they do. Uh, A lot of players, of course, in college, their next aspiration is to play in the National Football League. Uh, and do this for a living. Of course, in college, they're studying to get a degree, and football is just a an activity to them. But a lot of them, if they if they are above and beyond the other players, of course, you know they have different different levels that they can they can reach, uh, whether it be in an award or national recognition, they can eventually be drafted to be in the NFL. Of course, there's other leagues. There's a Canadian Football League, and now there's going to be the XFL. So there's some other leagues forming outside the NFL in professional sports. There's even the Arena League. So these college players, that is usually their aspiration. 
Some programs put out more college, more NFL players than others. Anyway, so your college football popularity, the tailgating, everything, which we'll talk about later, is just huge. But that leads us right into the NFL. 32 NFL teams. So we went from 16,000 to 130 to 32. So, of course, the best of the best are going to be on those 32 teams in the National Football League. And again, now in the National Football League, we still put thousands and thousands of people in stadiums every week. How popular is that? It brings families together. Families, you know, my brother, my dad, my aunt, those are all Packer fans. My brother's a Packer fan because my aunt and my dad were Packer fans. My grandparents were Packer fans. So it, it goes down from through the generations in the NFL. Uh, I, I would also venture to say that that also happens in college. But more in the NFL, you have families that share the love of American football and their team. It's just huge how how that brings the country together. I mean, Super Bowl Sunday, there's going to be millions of people, if not billion people, worldwide watching this game. And what else, what other sport can bring that many people together? And and the popularity is higher than ever, especially with social media and all the, the, the ways that you can get it 24-7, even off-season. They have things, the NFL Network runs 24-7 as well. Something... 30 years ago, we didn't even think about or know. So I think the popularity of American football is at its highest. Let's take a look a little more. And I told you the 10 reasons, I got 10 reasons why American football is the best sport in the world. So let's go through that. And then after that, I have some awesome quotes from football greats. And, you know, kind of wrap this, this nice little episode up in a bow and, uh, and then get ready for Super Bowl Sunday. All right, folks, here is the, the 10 reasons why American football is the best sport in the entire world. Number 10, tailgating. If you haven't been tailgating at a college football game or even pro, man, you're missing out. It is just a blast. It's like one big uh, street party. <laughs> and Everybody has their own food. I mean, especially if you're rooting for the same team, you could rib if there's somebody nearby you that isn't. Um, but it's just it's just an awesome time, electric. It's e- at times it's even more fun than the game. Uh, rain or shine, day or night, hail or sleet, does it matter what the weather is? Uh, no, because I've tailgated in ten below weather. <laughs> you just got to keep uh, keep the. Uh, Uh, fuel to keep you warm there we go of course not but because tailgating is all having fun no matter what mother nature throws your way a great stadium tailgate is a sight to behold any unhealthy fatty and grilled food you ever want and it's amateur goodness tents with multiple flat screens rvs holding dozens of drunk people who have only partying and football in their minds you could even play football with strangers having your own tailgating bowl huh and I've played all kinds of sports. We've even had a baseball game. Depending on what part of the country, you know, we can play bags. Or down here in the south, they call it cornhole. Uh, that tends to be a tailgating staple as well. Number nine on this list, Cinderella stories. Yeah, Cinderella stories are seen throughout all sports, but football has some of the really good ones that fans could truly identify with. Take quarterback Kurt Warner, for example. Born in my hometown, Iowa native, such as myself. Uh, he was an arena football flameout, uh, bagging groceries at a local store named Hy-Vee. Shout out to Hy-Vee back in Iowa. Before the St. Louis Rams called him up. 
The rest is history. Warner led one of the greatest offenses in NFL history. He won a Super Bowl in 2000 and in, led the laughingstock Arizona Cardinals, hmm, Cardinals, Racine Cardinals, Chicago Cardinals, to a stunning Super Bowl appearance in 2009. How about Vince Papali? The Philadelphia Eagles walk-on forever immortalized by the movie Invincible, starring Mark Wahlberg. Great movie. You know, I'm a movie guy. Check that out. It is a great movie and an interesting story how that happened. Really did happen. Or even Patriots future Hall of Fame quarterback Tom Brady, who actually Tom Brady was a six-round pick out of Michigan and only got a chance to play when incumbent starter Drew Bledsoe was injured. Not a lot of people know that. The, the GOAT, everybody calls him the GOAT, Tom Brady, with all of his Super Bowl rings. Yeah, the NFL is chock full of Cinderella stories we all know and love. Moving to the next on this list, number eight, the chess match. Nearly every football fan thinks he or she can coach a team. But part of the reason that this is illogical, besides the fact only 32 people in the entire world are qualified, is that coaching requires so much thinking and strategizing. Only the truly gifted can do it. And honestly, what fan doesn't like seeing the wrinkles that a defense installs after halftime to stop the opposing offense? Or when the offense executes a play that was drawn up so well, you can only marvel at it. Coaching is a game of chess. This metaphor is used because chess is considered the game of strategy. It's fun to see how coaches strategize to get the upper hand in each and every week. No other sport requires so much thinking. Number seven, rivalries. Yes, every sport has its rivalries. Baseball has the Yankees and Red Sox, the Cubs and the Cardinals, Blackhawks and Red Wings in the NHL, and in the NBA, Celtics and Lakers. But don't tell me that these rivalries are more intense than those in football, like the Packers and Bears, the Raiders and Steelers, the Redskins and Cowboys. Uh, admittedly, other sports may have the historically appearing rivalries, but in football, they are the most intense because, well, the point of the game is to hit the other team in the mouth as hard as you can. In football, rivalries bring out the best in both teams to the extent that it feels like a playoff atmosphere. Put it this way, if the Yankees and Red Sox cleared the benches, fought amongst each other after a batter was intentionally hit by a pitch, it would be an event. In football, in football, every play involves someone getting in a dogfight. That's more exciting than any other sport you can offer up. Number six, defensive excitement. In no sport is defense more intriguing than football. In basketball, there are more blocks. In baseball, there are more diving catches. But no sport can match football. While offense is and always will be king, defense in football can generate just as much of a reaction as a touchdown or long pass can. Defensive touchdowns are among the most exciting plays in football, and there's nothing that jacks up a team's collective adrenaline like a monster hit. Yeah, you watch it, yeah, you're just like, oh my goodness. Uh, the fact that a defense in football can impact a game in such a strong way is the reason why it makes football so exciting. Also consider this, in other sports, defense can lead to scoring opportunities. In football, the defense can simply take the ball and score itself. Number five, weekly intrigue. Baseball and hockey can keep their 82 games. Baseball can definitely keep its 162. Football, for better or worse, we get only 16, and that means every game is important. You can take days off in other sports. Losing a game in basketball leads to saying it's only one out of 82, 
In football, if you say it's only one out of 16, you'd be cut on the spot. Uh, No sport can match the week-to-week urgency that is present in football stadiums across the nation. It means that every fan is on the edge of their seat every minute of the game and that every play is meaningful to the outcome of the season. Football is the only sport that can grab your attention every waking moment, no matter what. Number four, fantasy football. The fact that every sport's attempt at creating a successful fantasy game is a direct result of the success of fantasy football. And it should be the only reason you need to know why fantasy football is important. Football gave birth to an industry of armchair quarterbacks, literally, just dying to one-up their friends while following their favorite players at the same time. Fantasy football started as a hobby, but it's no longer just a hobby. It is a multi-million dollar industry that is given simply because football exists. Come on. Are there any other reasons why football is the world's greatest sport? Thanksgiving traditions. All right. Who doesn't love turkey and football on Thanksgiving, right? There are many great American traditions, but none as exciting as Thanksgiving football. Let's be honest. There are no single days of the year where families get together to play baseball or basketball simply because it's a holiday. But on Thanksgiving, families across the nation go out rain or shine to play America's favorite sport and has become a tradition that everyone looks forward to every year. Have you played enough football? Then they run into the house, grab some turkey, plop down in front of the TV, and watch football for the rest of the day. Best day of the year? I think so. (laughs) Number two, parody. Parody is a beautiful thing. It's a process in which certain factors combine to ensure that every team will at least reasonably competitive will be at least reasonably competitive for random periods at a time. But in football, parity is alive and present every year. Football is the ultimate game of inches, meaning that the smallest bounce could be a difference between a win and loss. Parity may not be the most incredible thing for most fans, especially ones who like dynasties. But most of the fans, parody is a sign that nothing will ever be the same in any year. To most fans, that's an enticing prospect. Football is a sport that is never boring. Nothing is ever as it seems. And number one, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, number one, the Super Bowl. (laughs) Stanley Cup Finals has the best of seven. The World Series is the best of seven. The Super Bowl, well... It's a game that defines a term, no tomorrow, and has been considered a national holiday for ages. Families across the nation watch the Super Bowl and will be this Sunday. It needs two weeks of media coverage prior to the kickoff in order to get all the information needed to inform the public. The commercials are classic. The halftime show is epic. More food is consumed on Super Sunday across the nation than on Thanksgiving. How about that? (laughs) <laughs> it It is and was the most watched television program in United States history, usually every year. Seriously, can any sport compete with that? I don't think so. <laughs> so your top 10 reasons why football is so awesome. If you weren't a football fan before this, maybe we'll bring you on board and you'll be able to enjoy it. Now let's take a look as we close out the podcast. There's some quotes from some very famous uh, folks that had to do coaches, players, uh, within the awesome quote here in a, this is actually a book, The Book of Football Wisdom, compiled and edited by Criswell Freeman that I got a long time ago. Common Sense and Uncommon Genius from 101 Gridiron Greats. From the Chicago Bears, the Chicago Bears uh, Hall of Fame running back Walter Payton, who uh, we sadly lost way too young in life. His quote is, all 
that I accomplish is not because of me. It's because of God in the offensive line. How fun is that? He gives his glory to God, but uh, but he also <laughs> makes sure he talks about his offensive line, which any running back, if you are familiar with the game, his offensive line is what makes him the best. Broadway Joe Namath from back uh, in the early days of the Super Bowl played for the New York Jets. Uh, football is an honest game. It is true to life, and it's a game about sharing. Football is a team game, and so is life. Very interesting. Um, if you get a chance, you can find this book. It's actually got a lot. It's got Vince Lombardi, Newt Rockney, uh, Bear Bryant, Woody Hayes, um, and, and many more. I could sit here. I could do a whole podcast with these. I just thought I'd share those with you. Interesting and and the history of football. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. This is uh, episode three. I uh, hope you enjoy the Super Bowl. I don't know who you got, who you're rooting for. I believe I'm going to pull for the San Francisco 49ers, my boy George Kittle, who played for the Iowa Hawkeyes. And I'm going to sit back on Sunday with my family and friends, have some food, and just enjoy the game and enjoy the game of football, period. Interesting to see if the XFL uh, proves to be a good uh, addition to uh, pro football here in the spring. And then, of course, we'll talk about baseball come later this year. Uh, The next episode that I plan on um, recording, hopefully within this next month, will be, uh, I'm going to continue with football since we're going into February and football movies. Yeah, I'm a movie fan, remember? We talked about American military movies. So now I want to talk about football movies. There's been a lot of them. And I'm going to take a look at my top five and do something similar to the American military movies and just talk about my top five football movies. And it be interesting to see if you share the same thoughts. You could reach out to me if you like at ChrisCasey71 on Twitter. Uh, drop me a line if you listen and, and want to know more or if you have some ideas that you'd like me to, to put here on the podcast, I'd be happy to share it with you. Also, you could find me with the concession counter on the People vs. Happiness with David Musgrave. Uh, we talk about movies there. Join us and uh, take a listen. We, we have a few episodes up as well. And we'll be recording, uh, I believe, this week. So you'll look for a new episode there as well. Again, thanks for listening to Sea to Shining Sea. Enjoy your Super Bowl weekend. And remember, have a great day, but a better tomorrow. I'm Chris Casey, and you've been listening to Sea to Shining Sea.